Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. Today, Mike Fires joins us to talk about his no-hitter Tuesday against the Reds. He'll tell us what that last out felt like, what Bob Melvin told him after the seventh inning, and why his dad didn't find out until the next day. Then USA Today baseball writer Bob Nightingale joins us to discuss the A's season, the American League West, and the rest of the league, all next on A's Plus. Today on the Ace Plus podcast, we are delighted to welcome in Mike Fires, who's coming off his second career no-hitter, which that's pretty crazy. Mike, what was going through your head at the very end of the game as you realized that, that this was about to happen and happening? <laughs> yeah, another cool moment for me and another kind of milestone. And But also just, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to say, you know, but you, you're more out there trying to get a win for your team. I mean, it's, uh, you know, with all the accomplishments, throwing a no-hitter, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, the, the run we were on, we were losing a bunch of games in a row, and I just want to come out and put up a quality start and win the game, mostly. And it just turned out to be a no-hitter, but, um, you know, we celebrated that night, and you know, it was a great night, but we got to move on, and, you know, we had to win the next day, which we did, and then we got to win today as well, so. Now, your pitch count was getting up a little high, and I noticed at one point, I think it was maybe after the seventh inning, Bob went over on the bench to talk to you, uh, and I, I, he said afterwards, he said something like, you know, no more base runners, but kind of this, this is yours with no more base runners. Is that, was that kind of the gist of it? Yeah, I think he was just uh, kind of letting me know that, you know, you weren't given much of a leash here. It's, yeah. you know, you got to get it done or you can't be messing around too much. So and I, it probably helped me, you know, to kind of zone in and pound the zone a little bit more and not try to go deep in the counts and, uh, you know, attack those hitters. And they were, I was making early outs and, uh, getting off the field quick and he told me the next day he's like I probably would have gave you at least one walk but just to you know implement in my head that you know you're not going to get much of a leash uh, like I said it probably helped me yeah how, how is your arm feeling now you kind of become the master of the the lots of pitch no hitters <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not um yeah it doesn't I wouldn't say your arm feels great but uh I mean I, I, I feel good for where I'm at I mean 131 pitches and uh, especially early in May, uh, but I mean, I was ready to pitch on regular rest. They gave me an extra day, um, so now I'm going to be pitching in Seattle on Monday instead of uh, Sunday. But oh, my arm feels good. I feel like I'm on track to be right for them. Now, when something like that happens, there's a lot of people that contribute. You obviously got some amazing work by your defense, Jerks and Profar, with that fantastic catch, and then right after that, Loriano with the leaping catch at the fence, and Josh Fegley also did some great work behind the plate. What can you say about what your teammates contributed there? Yeah, it's definitely every time you win a game, it's definitely a team win. Uh, nobody ever does it by themselves. Um, you know, I give so much credit to you know Fegley behind the plate. I mean, without him doing his homework before the game, there's a lot of work that's done before we step in in between the lines and uh, he does a good job about that and just you know knowing what what these hitters you know go off of uh, you know what their weaknesses what their strengths are and then just pitching off that but even get good pitches get hit sometimes and you know you got to make plays in the field and that's what happened with you know the play with Profar uh, kind of a blooper over in short right field and he went out put his body on the line um, you know Made a, made a great catch diving, and then literally the next pitch after that was the first pitch curveball. Votto uh, hit pretty hard to center, and Loriano just looked pretty routine, kind of casual, running back there, timing it up, and jumping and making a catch, and no emotion on his face, just showing the ball to the umpire. <laughs> that must be very nice for a pitcher. You must, uh, are you getting a little spoiled with Loriano out there between the ability to make plays like that and the arm? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it easier on you mentally as a pitcher. You're just you're saying, hey, I, I got to be aggressive. I got to attack these guys. If they hit it out there, we got we got guys that can make plays. So, um, and he keeps you know making the plays time after time. So we're not we're not worried too much about that. You know, we're we're just being aggressive as a pitcher, uh, pounding the strike zone, not trying to pitch away from contact too much, and uh, just letting our guys you know play. I mean, when when they're pitching or when they're making plays behind us, that means they're in the game and they're they're ready to play. So, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into. You know those, those big games and big plays. Uh, those guys are on their toes, re ready to play. So they're ready to play behind you. Now you've mentioned before that your dad likes to wait and watch the games the next morning. Uh, is were you kind of tempted to call him anyway? No, I, he. I see. I think of it as just a regular game. I mean, it's yeah, it was fun, but um, you know, he he gets way more excited than I do with these games. Uh, Obviously, a big game, but you know he was—he uh, always wants to watch it from pitch one. He doesn't want to know what was going on or anything that's happened. He wants to watch from pitch one and go and evaluate every pitch that I threw, and um, and then after the game, call me and, and tell me what I did wrong and what I did right. <laughs> he must have had a lot of things to say that you did right the other night. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike Fires on Ace Plus. All right, thank you. Thanks again to Mike Fires for stopping by. We'll be back in a moment with Bob Nightingale. We welcome into Ace Plus podcast uh, good friend Bob Nightingale of USA Today, the longtime national baseball writer for USA Today. Uh, Bob, you're in the Bay Area for a whole week, uh, kind of with the, the Reds play the A's, and then the Reds then go across the Bay to play the Giants. So you were here Tuesday night for Mike Fires' no-hitter. You show up, and he throws a no-hitter. What, what was the, uh, the atmosphere here like that night? What's funny is actually more fans here than I thought. You know, I guess it was what free parking, and uh, you know, the game started late. It was really thought, hey, this game's going to be called, and uh, and it starts at what eight forty-five. And Bob Melman said they went past nine, been no game, and we've been playing a day-night doubleheader on Thursday. So uh, yeah, as the game's going on, and I've seen about you know five, six no hitters, and he was throwing so many pitches. I was paying attention, but I said, there's no way he's going to throw a no-hitter. I said, maybe a combined. It wasn't until the uh, seventh inning, you know, he gets a walk, then the uh, the double play ball, walk again. I said, okay, he's tiring, gets out of it, and then just cruises the eighth and ninth. I, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, the way Bob handled him I thought was pretty masterful. You know, you're kind of up front with him, like, look, you you throwing a lot of pitches. You can't put any more guys on base. I mean, I think this was after the seventh inning. He was like, otherwise, I'm going to have to take you out, no matter the circumstances, which I think worked. He then threw like an eight-pitch inning after that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the first guy was six pitches and, you know, one pitch, one pitch. And Bob said the big thing, too, is Profar hitting that yeah. home run. So it's a two-run lead. It's like, okay, you got some breathing room. I would have been interested. I'm not sure if it was even ass that night. If it was 1-0 going to the ninth, what would have happened? I've been mean, trying to have been warming up for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, so that's fun. That's a nice first day in the Bay Area. Um, and then you get a 13-inning game, your your second night here. So you've seen a lot of the Coliseum in a pretty short time span. <laughs> I will say it's tough to get Ubers at 2 o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> you, they can't find their way in. You know, it's like, I, I can get out of here. But, yeah, it's been a, uh, two wild days, you know. And then the uh, you know, the Reds, of course, had that B, that B game. Yeah. Uh, so they haven't had a normal game here in about five, five days. But, yeah, it has been a, uh, a wild 72 hours here. Oh, that's crazy. Um, 
So you are the national baseball writer. From afar, what have your impressions been of the A's, of the you know high expectations coming in after a 97-win season, obviously off to a little bit of a slow start, and then that terrible road trip where they went 1-8? and eight. Yeah, it was almost like they, they were playing like the, you, know, you thought they would going to that road trip. Then it was such a god-awful road trip. You know, as you said, you know, losing eight or nine games, you wondered how they bounced back. And Byers said that, and so did several of his teammates after the no-hitter, like, hey, maybe this will fire us up. Maybe here we go. We'll back to being the A's. And, uh, you know, hey, you remember better than anybody who said they had a slow start last year, too, and just came on. It's such a long season. You know, you have a uh, rebuilding teams and a vision. So, I mean, I still think Houston is as good as any team in baseball. But by the same token, you know, why can't the A's get in at least as a wild card? Yeah, and, the, and really the division seems like it kind of hasn't taken shape yet. Like, everybody's staying clumped pretty close together. And Houston's in first, but it's not like they're, you know, running away with things yet. Yeah, a little bit like last year. It's almost like when they want to step on the gas, they can. Remember last year, the A's were right there in September. I remember seeing you in Houston. And then the, uh, then finally the Astros just took off. But the same thing here. It's like you knew Seattle wasn't going to last, and, you know, now they're falling back to earth. You know, Texas rebuilding. I think they'll get worse and worse as it goes on. You know, Angels are rebuilding. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a uh, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of the East because right now the way you're looking is like, okay, one wild card from the West and one from the Central because they have three rebuilding teams at division. Yeah, yeah well, I was going to ask you about the, the rest of the American League uh, and your thoughts on that. Particularly, you've got strong Minnesota ties. What, what, what do you make of what Minnesota's been doing? It's funny. They had a lot of confidence going this season. Remember two years ago, they shocked everybody getting the wild card. Then I think they surprised everybody by being so bad last year. And, uh, you know, made the right things. Tell you what, Nelson Cruz, when he goes to a team, that team takes off. And he was a perfect guy for that middle of the lineup. And I think they just were bound to bounce back. And when you play in the division with the you know, Chicago White Sox and, and Tigers and Royals, you're going to beat up those teams. So you're thinking, hey, you got a chance to win 85 games just because of the, of the competition. So it's going to be interesting to see what Cleveland does because that window is closing here. What do they do with the trade deadline? Will they be more aggressive as, than anybody? Yeah, well, what, as a national writer, what are your thoughts on you know, the new trade deadline? It's essentially a hard and fast July trade deadline. You know, teams had been kind of making important moves, including the A's the last few years in August. And now teams are really going to have to kind of make a decision July or you're in or out. Yeah, I like the fact. I mean, before it's like, well, it's a trade deadline. And, you know, fans are confused. What? How can there still be in trades? <laughs> I think it confuses the fans more than anything. And, you know, in the big. The big money guys, like a Verlander. I mean, they could have had Justin Verlander a couple of years ago in Houston. Grab him. He didn't even want to go to Houston. It's like one of his last things. He wanted to go to the Dodgers or Yankees. So, yeah, it's a uh, at least it makes a team go, okay, you all in or not. Absolutely. It's going to be funny, too, to see if someone tries to circumvent it. Like, okay, I'll put a guy in waivers and say, okay, if someone picks up a big big contract, it's not a trade, you picked them up waivers. Right, so I think we'll see happen. that. Yeah. No. Um, I always like that, you know, what the A's did a few years ago with Jeff Samarja when they made the trade really early in July. I said, hey, we're trading for a guy. We want to maximize the number of starts we get out of him. I, I think that maybe might be the better way for a team that really thinks they're in. Do it earlier rather than later. Yeah, remember too, Susan, that year with the Milwaukee Brewers when they did with CC Sabathia. Yeah. They got him like, in the first few days of July. Yeah. And yeah, why not get those extra two or three starts? Yeah. And uh, it, it works wonders. I mean, Sabathia to this day is one of the greatest things I've ever seen, just how he carried that team on his back. And he was a free agent. He pitched on short rest, too. Yeah. Anything jump out at you National League wise so far this year? 
I mean, Arizona's playing, you know, better than I thought. Yeah, I think, you know, the, I think the Dodgers are still the best team. Uh, Cubs have bounced back besides having a, a bad bullpen there. And uh, the, the East is disappointing. We thought, oh, man, three or four great teams. Well, it might be three or four mediocre teams. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you think, like, hey, no, no wild card's going to come from that division. I bet one comes to West and, you know, one from the Central. I do think the Central might be the most fun division, just yeah. with, with the Brewers, the Cubs, uh, you know, play, playing so well there and, uh, and, and, and see what happens. But I, I think that, and, and the Cardinals, of course, but I think that will be the best division in baseball. Now, this is kind of fun for you. You get the week in the Bay Area, um, and your son, Bobby, covers the Reds. So you get to hang out with him. And I, I was just saying to you before we started this, you guys had, like, the like coolest father-son relationship ever. But how fun is this? You get to hang out in the press box with your son. You're both doing your jobs. <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot, lot of fun, particularly with the no-hitter. You know, obviously, he's he's never seen a no-hitter before, his first full year in the beat. I've seen five or six. So the night's over. It's about 2 o'clock in the morning. We're in the elevator. I say, hey, we got to get a picture. So I hit him, take a, a selfie on the phone, and bother some moment, like, okay, first no-hitter together. You know, probably the last no-hitter. How many no-hitters does anybody see? So it was cool. Wow, yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's very nice that it could happen here for you. Bob Nightingale, thanks for joining us on Ace Plus. My pleasure. Thank you, Susan. You can find Bob Nightingale's work at usatoday.com, and he's on Twitter, at B Nightingale. Our producers today were King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. We'll be back next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe.